Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. I'm back today with Jason Jackson, author of My Life Inspiring Journal. It's a journey through the author's experiences as an autistic man living with bipolar. Before we get into the book, let's get the inside scoop on the author. Jason Jackson, author of My Life Inspiring Journal, shares his personal journey of transcending disabilities and finding solace in the universal human experience. Jason sheds light on the prevalence of autism and bipolar and weaves them into a heartfelt narrative influenced by conversations with his late father. As he continues to delve into the inner thoughts of individuals, Jason is working on his second book. Visit Jason's website, perseverocycle.com, to learn more about him and his work. Well, hi, Jason. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello, uh, Sherry. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for being here today. I guess to get us started... Tell us a little bit about your writing journey. Have you always wanted to be an author? No, never really wanted to be an author per se, but what kind of started it all was I remember I was at a camp when I was a kid about nine or 10 years old, and it was in Wisconsin where my grandparents lived, and I was missing my folks. You know, they lived all the way back to California, and I wrote on a letter that someone got me kind of a little like postcard or something like that and it had like three fold outs to it and it had pictures on it and I just wrote that I was missing my dad and I sent that letter to him and I remember my dad gave me a lot of feedback he said I really like your letter and he thought it was really nice I think it was his way of saying you should continue to write and it was something that I appreciated his input on and so from there I would write when my dad would interact with me and I was trying to figure out how to internalize it and make it part of my life and mm. as he was raising me uh, my dad I think was on the spectrum too and had some touches of mental health issues also but he was at a time in his life where those things weren't accepted as prevalently as they are now and mm. and I think he was seeing in my writing something that he wanted to say and through that connection we formed a very um, strong bond between us and I think the desiring my dad's approval and then from there he would say things like well if you write a proposal I'll tell if you if whether or not you can get it. Like if I wanted a bike, he said, write a proposal, <laughs> write, write something up and tell me how you want to go about getting it. And, and that was when I discovered that writing depended on his input more than anything, because when I had to do it just cold by myself, that was harder. And I liked it when he would give me some input and then I could write from there. I needed his input to help facilitate the process. Yeah. And I don't know why that is, but it's just something that was there. And he passed away five or six years ago, I think. And his passing away really created a hole, you know, because I was dependent upon him for a lot of the guidance that I had. But then I had to say, okay, now you have to kind of grow up a little bit. And from there, 
I said, let's write that book we said we are always going to write. So tell us a little bit about your book. What is My Life Inspiring Journal about? Well, it, it starts out with a little bit of a window into my work history with a job that I had. Then from there, it goes into a story about living on my own because I think what this book melts down into is about independence for people with autism and bipolar. Mm. I think it's about any form of independence that they can acquire through the process of working, through the process of living alone. And basically it's a, you know, it's a book of being alone, being alone and trying to be independent. And what I've found through the interaction of talking to people is that you're never really alone if you have help in your life and you have a support system. And when I wrote it, I was writing it from a standpoint where I was going to San Francisco and living in an apartment with Social Security and just living with Section 8 and all that stuff and and just kind of doing all the things necessary just to subsist, get up in the morning, take a shower, brush my teeth, go out to the street, meet people, you know, just very raw. And like, it's kind of like now I live on my own and I have a nice apartment and it's like that every day of my life. But the more that I write about um, with my new book and I talk about mental illness, it's like a big weight around my neck because I'm trying to corroborate all the different things that have gone on in my life that have prevented me from connecting, you know, Mm -hmm. connecting with the social structure. And what this book does, what I talk about is connecting with different people by going to the barber, meeting an African-American man and getting in a conversation, him hooking up with me. And people want to interact. People want to be part of the structure of life and they just find a way into it. And I just sort of, meander about and gradually get to a point and then the next point is um, like another part is about going to the movie theater and what that would be like if I had a date with a lady and that was another stretch just to say like what would it feel like what would be going on in my mind it's a way to put a window on my mind so that other people with autism and bipolar or just anything, you know, just being able to be self-aware. I mean, I think that's my strength. And if I can put that on paper and show that self-awareness, maybe that can transfer to somebody else to be able to analyze their life in a different way and see something that might benefit them in the future. It's very um, methodical, very plotting. And a lot of people wouldn't like the way that it's written, but that's the way that I write. I write that stream of consciousness, plotting, methodical way of reading. And like some people are fascinated by it and mm-hmm. some people it might not be their cup of tea, you know. So yeah. it's, I think to get into the autistic mind, it's very unique. It's mm-hmm. a very unique book. and. I haven't read it page to page, but I what I'll do is I'll read it in bits and pieces because I've constructed it. I've mm-hmm. I've taken and I've constructed the pieces so I know how the pieces fit together. But when I read it, it gets me spinning. I perseverate. 
over all that it's been. And like one of these times when I get in a good mood, maybe I'll open it up again and try to get through it. But like, it's very hard to put myself through that all because it's past. It's done. It's been printed. It's on paper. It, it's tangible now. Yeah. You know? And I don't obsess about those things anymore because I put it to rest. And that's partly why I want to get the second book out. I think I'm going to call it something like my mental illness journey or my journey through mental illness or something like that. Something mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. And make that book very short, 30, 40 pages. And just about my mom and my dad and what they did raising me and how they got along and and all that and where that puts me now in my life and what I want to do with my life and whether or not I want to have a relationship or whether I want to, I mean, I, I've kind of figured out that through this whole process, I don't want to have kids because it's something that it was just so hard to write this stuff. And it's like to connect with another human being on a, adolescent level mm-hmm. i think through a book is okay but in real life where you have to interact with them all the time i'll be honest with you i don't want that yeah i don't well I don't want that. yeah it's a tough job for at least 18 years so it's not for everyone tell us a little bit about how your book all came together i got my journals together and i put this and that together and kind of organized them a little bit with the help of a freelancer named Daniel A. from Daniel Book Designs. Mm. I mean, he not only typed it, but he took the longhand and I scanned the pages. He typed it up and then he put it in a format where it wasn't just like a few words across the page. I have a hard time following across the page with text. Text is difficult for me. And um, he took it and he put it in a format where it was more laid out like a regular book. It finally got in a form where I could do some of the editing on my own. And then I said, you really need to get this professionally edited. It doesn't chronologically go together. Mm. It doesn't It doesn't mesh chronologically. It's like you stop here and then you continue in another part of your life. Yeah. And that stream of consciousness that you have is difficult for some readers to attach to. And so I, I contacted Pamela Greer and... Pamela was a very nice lady. She says, I'll send you back the edited version and you can correct what you want to correct. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of work because I had like 50 or 60 pages of printed material and she corrected it and she would put her little corrections in the margin. And this program was amazing because it would be in red. And then all I had to do was take the cursor and correct it and it would line up and it would say do you want to add this or don't you want to add this? And I mean, that part of the step was probably the hardest because I don't edit well. I don't edit my work well, and I don't like to even read it, but I edited it and went through that process. From there, Daniel had me publish it on uh, book patch. Uh And, and that was the print book. And I published it on book patch and from there, I got some copies. I bought some copies, looked it over. I said, boy, it's amazing. It's a print form. I can touch it. I can feel it. And I was like, I, I started selling a few copies and here and there. And, and it was really exciting. Very exciting. 
So your current book, My Life Inspiring Journal, and the one that you're planning to write or have started to write, uh, they seem like they're a combination of memoir and self-help. So I feel like that would be really inspiring to other people and encourage people that may be in similar situations uh, as to what they're capable of achieving. But your book can help people. Yeah, I, I would like that to happen. And that's where... I would be willing to put it on my website for free, and and I'd like to do that. I'd like I just have to organize it all, and then see if I can get some traffic on the website, and see if I can generate something that way. I don't know quite what to do, but <laughs> I'm going yeah. to if I can try something else in the future. I mean, I I'm kind of like the way that I sold vacuums door to door. It was knocking hit or miss. You know you. You knock on enough doors and you get in enough doors, so to speak, and gradually you piece this together. But I feel like this has been a very much of a feather in my cap, like my mom would say. And she says, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to attach the people mm-hmm. and what's going to have traction. But like, I think this is the right idea. Mm-hmm. And the more that people see, once I get this second book out and then it facilitates that, then... I think that will latch on together and they'll see, oh, he's just more than just a one hit wonder, like with, with music or something like that. He actually, he has something to say. So who is your target audience? Did you write your book for someone or, or some one group in particular? I think it was more, not so much for a person. I was, I wasn't writing it for anyone in particular is the truth the Mm -hmm. truth of the matter. Mm -hmm. I was writing it to connect with people. And to that extent, it's been wonderful. It's been a success and I've been a success. And if it goes no further, I'm happy with that. I'm Mm -hmm. happy with that. But I just, once I started selling the books and getting 10 here and 10 there, and I was like, boy, this is, this is taking off a little bit. And I was like, let's, um, get some marketing or whatever. And then I got into that marketing bag and all of a sudden I was like, marketing is just as hard as writing the book. Yeah, Yeah. I've heard that from other authors that uh, that's their least favorite part, that writing the book was easy compared to marketing. But it's something that everyone has to do, for sure. Yeah, and and once I accepted that I had to do it, I said, how much are you willing to spend on marketing? I'm not going to put it out there so that people can read it and beg them to read it. No, that's that's wrong. If you don't want to read it, fine, don't read it. (laughs) But if you want to see something a little bit different, it's almost like a cult classic. It's like, like Harold and Maude. I used to watch that (laughs) movie and I loved the the way they put it together. It was a successful movie, but you have people that are very powerful that do the, the manipulating of how they get it out there. And, And it was, I remember when I saw that movie, I said, this is not a mainstream book. And I said, this is not like with a plot and with characters in the traditional sense. Right. It's constructed in a way that's not adaptable to the bestseller market. It won't be a bestseller, but like that was not my purpose. My purpose was to write something credible that related to something that was close to my heart. And and I think I took a very personal view like I do with most of the things in my life. And I've been very happy with it. it. If it got famous and people started saying, 
you're wrong and you're hurting my child, that would break my heart, you know, but like, I mean, maybe it's best to keep it just the way that it is. And just, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, what do you hope readers take away from reading your book? I hope they get a flavor like you would get when you go to the ice cream store and you try a couple of flavors from the store. You figure out that you like chocolate, you like vanilla, and you like the variations of those. You know, it's like, you, and like with my habits, when I talk about, I feed whiskers or whatever, I talk about whiskers and I just feed her as I'm going out the door, you kind of see it's just kind of an afterthought. It's like, it's not something where I'm really interacting with her. It's all for my good. And I, I want people to understand that autism, a lot of people that have autism, they have their perseverations. And for me personally, my autism shows up as a predisposition to focus on myself. And it doesn't mean that I'm selfish in the sense where like I used to think of my dad as selfish he wasn't selfish he was just very wired into that thought pattern of thinking what I have to do for myself you know having personal time for himself and he didn't have any personal time for himself because he had to work to support his family and he was trapped in that that cycle and I don't want to be trapped in that cycle that he was trapped in and maybe that's selfish that could be selfish but I'm happy with that I'm happy with that I go to church I pray to the Lord a little bit I, I read the Bible a little bit I I think about women sometimes but I think um, just understanding how everyday life goes for me and how it's not just a matter of saying my goal is this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to follow through on this. It doesn't fan out like that. It fans out more in a, it's an accident. My dad always used to tell me, Jason, your life is an accident. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't want to think of it like an accident, but yeah. it, I, I don't know from one day to the next what I'm going to do. Now, you've attended a couple of events to promote your book. Can you share with us a little bit about those experiences? I basically went to three book signings. I had one at Railroad Book Depot in Pittsburgh, California, and I sold about 16 books, which was quite satisfying. And I had all my friends come out. My mom helped mm. try to send out emails and stuff like that. And that was really, really fun. And uh, then from there, I went to Barnes & Noble. And Barnes & Noble, it was a learning experience. I only made like, I think was $10 that day and I was a little upset, but this process has not been about making money, even though that's, you're not supposed to say that, but like <laughs> money is secondary for me with this because then I, I had another breakthrough where I went to the volunteer center at Concord Toto Santa's uh, park in the shopping center there. The, there was a lady named, Elaine, who talked to me and said, give your talk, and I'd like to buy 10 of your books. Oh, wow. And so she bought 10 of the books, and she was going to distribute them to hotels, along with the sensory awareness partner training um, kit, which is a weighted blanket and stuff like that. Oh, how wonderful. Now, we worked together a little bit before this interview, and I read this somewhere, and maybe it's on your bio on your website. I'll have to go back and see, but... There was one piece you said that really struck me, and it said that you've learned over time 
to emphasize your abilities over your limitations. I'm curious, when you learned that or when you realized that, how did that kind of change your outlook on things? That's a wonderful way for anyone to look at life. That's only been recent, but like I, I said it when I said it, I hadn't internalized it yet, but I finally talked to enough of my counselors that I've internalized it. But there's a process to go from when it's just on your brain. And that was when it was on my brain and I just said it. And that was when I get those aha moments. And then later, like it's been six months later from the point when I wrote that part, I remember that part. And so that was like in March when I was publishing the book. And like now I've talked it out with my counselors and they said, yeah, if you give space in your brain or real estate, as she would put it, her name is Susan Burns. And she's a psychotherapist with uh, Kaiser uh, Growth Therapy. And she said, if you give real estate in your brain to the bullies and to all the negative things in your life, like I've done for a good portion of my life, let's just say it like that. Mm -hmm. For a good portion of my life, I've given real estate to the negative things in my life. It drove my dad nuts because my dad was a very wonderful man. But like I was always rehashing the past. And he just wanted me to learn to rehash the future, you know, move on. And what I learned finally from talking to Susan and rehashing it with her is she said, you have to say, I'm going to perseverate on this for an hour or two, or maybe not even that long, maybe like 30 minutes. And then I'm going to leave it alone. Mm. And that process of trying to disconnect. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think because we care so much about what other people think. It's like you want the attraction of your brain to satisfy you and you want that satisfaction, but it can't satisfy you anymore because it's dead. It's not credible anymore. Mm -hmm. And like when I was interacting with bullies and stuff like that in the new book that I'm writing, I say basically if I gave them the time in my brain that I gave them back then, I would be... I would be mad at myself and I never, I never accounted for that in my brain and said, I'm mad at myself. I take responsibility and I'm mad at myself for giving that person that much space in my brain Mm -hmm. to, to allow me to go down their pathways. And basically I'm very harsh. I'm very harsh in the way I, I hash it out because in my mind, I carry all that baggage like so close to me in my brain that it's not fair to me and that's why i'm very careful in who i let come into my house who i let come around here in my space and i i'm very paranoid all the time Mm. because of my mental illness and i'd like to help other people in the next book kind of see that you know you don't have to be afraid like what my therapist has showed me you don't have to be afraid you just have to be diligent Show due diligence and don't give up space in your brain to people that don't respect you, that don't earn it, that don't give you some reason to be there. Right. I want to talk about something you mentioned earlier about your dad and the way he kind of prompted your writing, you know, when he would say, write a proposal for this or write a proposal for that. It's almost like he was giving you writing prompts. And I know a lot of writers use writing prompts to kind of stimulate their creativity. 
I wonder if your dad had any idea he was planting the seed of a future author. I, I don't know what he was doing, but he, he desperately wanted to connect with me on an emotional level. And we, this is the most emotional we got when, when we would talk shop like this, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. how to, how to construct the writing. That was the most emotional we got. He wasn't a big hugger. He wasn't a big, uh, like, sensitive man he was sensitive but he was just very hard to get into the corners of his mind he kept that private for himself and that's where we're different i like to share what's in the corners of my mind and he didn't share the corners of his mind with anyone he put walls up for everyone that he had to deal with at work there was one time we would go to watch football on the weekend and he would basically socialize with his friend Paul, which was his friend from high school and stuff like that. And, and he would let go a little bit. But, I mean, he didn't let out anything. And he always felt like I was letting out too much. But I think he would be proud to know that his legacy is continued in me. Not necessarily because I had a child, but because I'm not talking about him in a negative way that's not the truth it's the truth i'm giving the truth and i think he would i think he'd be speechless in a a way yeah yeah so when do you anticipate that coming out your second book i've set a goal for about three months from now i think in that amount of time i can edit it completely and do my editing and i'm not going to do it too fast because i don't want to just throw something out there i want to throw something out there that shows even more thought than the first book mm-hmm. I want. But putting thought into something, that doesn't come easy. I have to play with it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a big undertaking writing a book. So yeah, it takes time. And I, I don't think you should rush it. So I think you're doing it the right way. So based on your experience with your debut book, what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to write a book, but maybe a little bit hesitant to put it out there? I would say to the person, regardless of their disability or regardless of their neurotypical or whatever, I would say you have to pick the right time. Sometimes that time may come when when people pass away that you're writing about and they wouldn't be able to deal with it at that time. So maybe you have to wait till it's, it's more fresh in your mind. For me, that was how it happened. Mm. My dad passed away and it just created a void that I was missing him. And I needed to rehash his memories. You know, I had to rehash it. I couldn't have done it with my dad alive because he took up so much space in my life. So I would say to them, if there's someone that takes up a lot of space in your life and it's a relationship that you have, cherish that relationship and just see just see when the time comes because um, it, it will come. It will come if, if, if it's meant to be. It it was meant to be for me, and I don't know why, but it just kind of, it was like tripping over, like, mine wires. You just trip one mine, mm. then you trip the next mine, and then you trip the next mine, and pretty soon you've got a big explosion, and you're okay. You're okay. All that pain that you were writing about before 20 years ago, like a lot of these journals were 12, 13 years old. And I was writing about it from a position of pain because I was trying to process what my dad was saying. But when you get to the point where you can process that pain, you'll know that that's the time that you should start 
playing with it and organizing it and having people help you with it because there's a lot of people that will help you for very low cost. I mean, there's a lot of people that are not in it just for the buck. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing a bit about yourself and your work. Thank you, Sherry. You are a great organizer. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Jason Jackson, author of my life-inspiring journal. You can learn more about Jason at PerseveraCycle.com. And be sure and check out all our author interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.